welcome to From Maiden to Mother, the podcast, a space to talk about all of the different aspects of motherhood. Today we are chatting with Ashlyn, an incredible mama of two, business owner, wife, and all-around incredible woman. We get into all kinds of topics, including running a business as a mom, balancing relationship, self, and motherhood, and we do talk about miscarriage and infertility, so if that is a touchy subject for you, you might want to skip this one. Um, There is a little bit of a discussion about struggling to conceive. This podcast is geared towards adults, so we do use explicit language. With all that out of the way, let's get into it. Hello, how are you, Ashley? Hello, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you here in person. Yay, IRL. Yes, this is my (laughs) first podcast that I'm recording in person. Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay, cool. So it's really fun to connect with someone locally. Yes, should we cheers our coffee? Yes, let's cheers our coffee. It's a Starbucks Mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The best. Oh, I need it. Yeah, I, I'm into Nespresso lately, but I'm like trying to budget my Starbucks, but I didn't go to the office. I was coming here. I'm like, Kate, treat yourself. Yes. Yes. It's definitely a treat yourself day. Yeah. So can you tell me where you're at in your motherhood journey? Oh gosh. Okay. So like, I like to say it's almost complete. <laughs> so like I have two, I have two little girls. My, my one girl is two years old and my other baby girl is four months old. Aww. So right now I'm like, I don't know what the future holds in terms of, do I want more kids? What does that look like? Um, but if you ask me in this moment right today and I'm being authentic about it, that's my answer. Like, I don't fucking know where I am. I know yeah. that I'm complete up until this point. Um, there's a little piece of me. It's like, well, I, could I have a baby boy one day? You know, a little piece yeah. of me, but not something I'm willing to explore anytime soon. I love that because honoring where you're at in the moment can be really hard. A lot of the times people feel like I need to make this decision. Either I'm done having kids or I'm ready for the next one or we're planning when the next one's going to be. But, you know, for a long time, I had no idea what I wanted. And so I just made it up. And that was not authentic. (laughs) Okay, fair. Yeah. I, you know, said I didn't want kids when actually I'd been told I couldn't have kids. Right. I'm reframing this. (laughs) Exactly. And so I, I, that's one thing that I really love about your page and your podcast is that you're always true to where you are in this moment. Thanks. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I created like a fitness Instagram and then I'm like okay detour actually we're gonna talk about fertility actually detour I had a baby we're gonna talk about fitness again actually I'm a business owner and like it's it's not niche specific it just is wherever I am I guess and that's the reality of life yeah and that's personal branding right like if it's personal it has to be fucking personal I can't Mm -hmm. be a fitness influencer on a 40 weeks pregnant it just didn't feel right no and you shouldn't have to feel like you have to take a break from a part of yourself for sure to honor another part of yourself they can all exist at the same time um, I would love to hear a little bit about what is your day like with two little girls and owning your own business and running <gasps> your sidekick. I'm like, it's a lot of shit. <laughs> um, so like I literally walk you through a day. Yeah, let's do okay, it. Okay. So yeah. my, my two year old usually wakes up at five o'clock in the morning. I get up with her. I bring her into bed with me. My younger daughter who's four months old is actually sleeping downstairs with my husband. Oh, so people that. are like, say what? Like you weren't all up night. Like my husband's on pat leave right now. So he's staying home during the day with my little one and people are like wow that must be amazing amazing you gotta go back to work and yes and no right so there's some days where I'm like okay I get my two-year-old ready for daycare my younger one wakes up I let my husband sleep until I'm ready to get out so I'm literally getting ready for work every day with both my fucking kids every day and that's hard enough (laughs) it's like I know it's hard to stay at home but it's also hard to get the fuck out the house with both kids right and so um yeah for the most part my four-month-old right now is staying home with my husband and I go to work drop my kid at daycare and I'm there from like nine till three ish Mm -hmm. pick my daughter up from daycare and then sometimes my husband goes and works out in the evenings that's when he kind has his space um yeah it's kind of it yes do you have any like morning rituals or evening rituals that you do with the girls to kind of ground in the chaos like I have so many rituals that I used to do for myself that right now are getting sloshed around a Mm. little bit because my daughter's only four months old you don't know is it going to be a good night is it going to be a bad night like am I going to be up until sometimes I'm up till 12 one in the morning and then I'm up at five right so it's like I can't fucking sit in the bath and drink a coffee with whipped milk and like have those morning routines and rate my fucking affirmations. And those are things I used to do. So now you're like, how can I find those in the little moments? Mm -hmm. So when my daughter wakes up at five, she knows mom gets a coffee. I get a baba every day. Mommy, coffee, Blakey, baba. Yep. hundred percent. So she sits there. She has her baba. I tickle her back. I have a coffee. Usually truth be told, I'm probably on my phone. I'm probably flicking through social media, opening an email. 
not the thing I tell most people to do. Like, don't wake up and just fucking engross yourself. But that's my time where it's like, let me ground myself for the day. What does my schedule look like? What am I facing today? Do I have to wash my hair? Do I have to put on makeup? Or all my clients over the phone? You know, like making those decisions in that morning. Because I don't have to be out the door usually till 8 o'clock. So I have a good, like, solid three hours in the morning, which I'd probably rather be sleeping. But my kids are up, so... Such I'm such life. a morning person. I get up early just to have time to chill. Yeah. It's I love, nice. I love that. As long as you go to sleep at night. Yeah. <laughs> and like, true. I feel like that's what it is right now where it's like, is it going to be a good night? Is it going to be a good night? When my daughter's like six, seven months old, <gasps> gasp, I'll probably sleep train her so that we know that my husband and I are both sleeping. So in the morning I can have his assistance. He'll go back to work soon and the routine will change again. When you had your first, yes. did you have the same routine where you guys kind of took shifts? With the kid? Um, okay, so when I had my first, neither of us had paternity or maternity leave. Oh, you both were working. We both had to work. So yeah, it was a little bit more of me hands-on with my daughter. I don't want to say I'm not hands-on with my four-month-old, but there's a big gap in the day from nine till three where I'm not there Monday to Thursday. So Friday's my day with my girls. Um, Friday's the day that I don't take clients, so I'm usually with her. But when you have a four-month-old, like, you feel the energy of your baby, like, in your fucking bones. You want to be with that baby. So for sometimes my husband's like it's so nice you get to go out in there and chase your passions and make money and like you feel purposeful and it's like but also as a mom like a lot of my purpose is being with my baby I didn't get a breastfeeding journey I can't how the fuck am I gonna breastfeed a baby (laughs) if I'm working I tried that with my first and it was I'm pumping on the way to work I'm pumping in between clients I'm pumping on fucking zoom meetings he's driving across town to grab a bottle he gets home she's still hungry holy fuck I have to come back and grab another one I didn't have supply to like stock it up so it was a fucking shit show so like you're making sacrifices as a mom in other ways to have that type of lifestyle to be that person um and it's not always ideal no so i feel like yeah the working mom life isn't glamorized and stay-at-home mom life isn't fucking glamorized either no they're both fucking hard their own way oh really right it is so i kind of i've experienced both and i was home a lot with my first daughter because my husband was still working in our business yeah when you had your second, did you and your husband have a conversation like it needs to be different this time? Or did you just kind of go with the flow and figure things out in those first few months? No, we had a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big planner. Um, he's not. So uh, I knew that that was important. We have like family meetings. I actually have an episode on my podcast that says that time I had a family meeting and I tell everyone everything we talk about. Like, let's dive deep. I talk, We talked about finances. How are we going to budget this? What does our joint account look like? Where? How are we going to pay our mortgage? If you're on paternity leave, how much money are you going to get? What's our allowances for groceries? How much are we going to spend on putting away money for our RRSPs or for our daughter's education? Things like that. Like, it has. you have to communicate on that level to manage a household. Yeah. Um, and I'm... And I feel like if you don't, it gets washed. Yeah. Like you'll you'll get washed out in it. So I am someone I like a fucking plan. Yeah. So that definitely this time we did have a plan, except for sleep. Mm. Like, and that's something I wanted a better plan with, but we didn't know how it was gonna land. We don't know if you're gonna have a good sleeper. You don't know how our like breastfeeding was gonna be at first. You don't know anything. So that was one thing we were like, okay, we'll be wishy washy with this. Um, and what did work for us was. I go to bed with my one daughter at like 7, 8 p.m. And he wake, was waking me up at like 2, 3 in the morning. And then I was t- like, so I'm still getting six or seven hours of sleep. Then he was sleeping from 2, 3 in the morning till like 8 in the morning. So he was still getting five, six hours of sleep. So we both had a stint of sleep, but someone was always the one that was on duty. Yes, I love that. It's so funny you bring that up because that's pretty much exactly our plan. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Because I have a job right now where I have to get up at like four or five in the morning. Okay. So I go to bed at seven or eight. And so I feel like that will transition so well, you know, Right now, it's the dog that my partner stays up with. Right. And then he, you know, puts the dog in the room Mm -hmm. at 2 a.m. when he goes to bed. But I was like, let's just do this with the baby. You take a shift. That gets to be my sleep shift. And then I'm guaranteed, you know, six hours. Yes. I can do 18. I can do 20 in a row if I got four in a row. Like... I just need to recharge. A handful of hours of consistent sleep. That's the difference for me. Like, I would rather have five hours of I'm knocked the fuck out, the blinds are closed, it's my time, I don't have to worry about the kids, the sound machine's on, I'm out. Then 10 hours of feeding the baby every two hours, waking up and going back to sleep. Like I would just take my, I take my handful of hours of good sleep and then I can be a better mom. I can have that coffee with my kid in the morning. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm still tired. I'd love to go back to bed. Like I got five hours, but I can be a functional human being. Yeah. Not zombie. Did you know that that was kind of like a style of 
co-parenting before or did you guys just kind of figure that out it just kind of happened naturally like he's a night owl so he's up to 11 or 12 so it's like okay you're up so if she wakes up during that time like just stay up with her and then it started being like oh well her wake up she's waking up around 11 30 12 i put her back to sleep her next wake window is until two or three at that point i'll wake you up Mm -hmm. so it did kind of work naturally for us that way and i'll be honest i'll give my husband credit like i had to like at some point be like I need to sleep a little bit more like because now I'm running and I'm occupying work and I'm doing a 40 hour work week. So like doing 50% of the load at home makes sense for a lot of people. And for a mom, 50% is on the low end. I'm quite certain. (laughs) Um, But when you're doing 100% at work and 100% right now of like the financial income, you can't almost bear that 50% at home. There almost has to be some leeway with that. And then you just always feel guilty. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I I was talking with a mama psychologist yesterday about mom guilt. I'm like, can you guys give me like five minutes of free therapy? Because I need to talk about this. Yeah. And it's universal. No matter what the fuck you do, you feel guilty. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Not ideal. No. And how do you deal with that? Like, are you in therapy? Do you journal? All of the above? I talk a lot. Yeah. Just get (laughs) it out. And I connect a lot and I write a lot. Mm -hmm. So I have a blog, I have a podcast, I have a really good network of friends. Um, Not necessarily friends who are going through what I'm going through, but friends who listen, right? And sometimes that would, you don't always need like a yes, me too, I feel you. It's more just like, wow, I hear you. That must be really hard. And sometimes that's better. Yes. Right? So, um, and I also have people in my life that have gone through what I'm going through similarly, I guess. but yeah, I would say it's words for me. Words. Yeah, yeah. Connecting with people, writing. I wrote a book about postpartum from with my daughter because I had so much feeling. I'm like, how the fuck do I get this out? So I talk about it. I talk with people. Um, I did do a few sessions of therapy, but it wasn't necessarily specifically geared towards motherhood. It was like medical trauma. I watched my dad die and then my daughter had seizures and it was very triggering. So I went initially being like, I can't be in these medical situations. What if my daughter has a seizure disorder? Like I have to figure it the fuck out. Um, but obviously we know it's not, it's, you never go to therapy to deal with one issue and <laughs> no. then they go deep. You're like, Oh fuck. I actually have all of these issues. Therapy decides know. what issues oh, you're dealing really? with. That's happened when I was 10. Okay. Let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. So that wasn't what I expected, but yeah. How does that carry over into thinking about like your children and how they'll grow up? Like if you feel like you have trauma from when you were 10 years old, let's say, are you thinking about like, oh, like reparenting myself yeah. all the fucking time yeah for <laughs> sure but then you still oh my god I sound like my mother <laughs> or like, like is this a good things, thing or <laughs> like little things that I'm like oh my god I, she would do that and not necessarily that's always a bad thing but I just catch it yeah and yeah I I'm cognizant of it but I, I even said to my husband like when we found out we had two girls yeah like, I'm going to be the reason they go to therapy one day. <laughs> like, isn't that everybody? You know, you go to therapy and you realize, no, oh, God, I have mommy issues. Like, yeah. <laughs> And I don't have a lot of women in my life, honestly, that I communicate with that are like, me and my mom are like this. Yeah. I don't know. I know I, I'm not interviewing you, but like, are no, you in lockdown? No, your... we're not super close. I mean, we're not estranged. Right. But our relationship is definitely complicated. And I feel like that's every woman I talk to. They're never like, my mom's my best fucking friend. She's never deceived me. (laughs) She never betrayed me. I can trust her with my whole heart. It's weird. And then of course I think I'm going to be that mom. Like I'm sure I'm going to make mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when your number one goal is to protect someone. Like if you've ever had an overprotective friend, right? Like when, you know, you're out at the club and you're trying to have a good time and they're just trying to rein you in and let's go home or that's never your best friend that you take out on your adventures yes. and gallivant. <laughs> but I've learned that that's what you have to be to be a good parent. You can't just be the best friend because that's actually the parent I grew up with. Oh, yeah. It was like I told everyone, my mom's my best friend. My mom's so cool, mm. right? And when you're young, that is cool. Yeah. Like, look, at my mom will come and have drinks with me. Yeah. You know, I'm exposing this, but like, oh, like, look, me and my mom smoke weed together. Like, yeah. I don't want to be that mom. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to be the cool mom. I'm trying to be the mom that makes sure, like, you know, you have values, you have morals, you fucking, I have a tether to you. I'm keeping you reined in somewhat. And I didn't realize that I never had a tether until I was like 25 years old. I'm like, God, I did whatever the fuck I wanted. Like, literally since I was 10 years old. Yeah. I'd walk out of my front door and sneak out. And then I'd come home and be like, Mom, did you know I snuck out last night? She'd be like, yeah, I know. I heard you. <laughs> and it's like, really? I'm waiting like, What are you trouble. learning from that? I sat my mom down one day and I'm like, yeah, Mom. I'm really exposing myself in your podcast. But like, oh, Mom, right. me and my friends are, are going to do ecstasy. Yeah. Oh, Ashlyn, don't do that. Like, it was never like, holy fuck, then you're not going out, stay home, I can't, like, I felt safe enough to tell her those things, which I always was like, oh, that means it's a really good relationship. 
I don't know if that's what a really good parenting relationship is. I think you have friends for that. Yeah, and I, I feel like setting boundaries is such an important lesson to teach because I, I grew up with a pretty fun, lenient mom where I had quite a bit of freedom. And as a teenager, your job is to push those boundaries and see if they'll hold firm and see what in life is going to hold you secure and safe. And when you just kind of spill over or spill through the gates, totally. now all of a sudden there's no more structure for you to rely on. And so I worry a lot about being able to create structure. I have a like being a disciplinary a little bit. Yeah. I have a preteen stepdaughter. Man, I would just love to give her the world. Yeah. But does she need to have access to the whole world? Absolutely not. And That's really good. Cause it's true. That is the time in your life where you're like, I don't want boundaries, but when you set them, it get, it makes me respect you. Like that's, what's going to earn my respect. Yeah. Yeah. So being cognizant of that for sure. And teaching our daughters that you're worthy of having boundaries, that you don't have to let everybody in. You don't have to say yes to every experience because sometimes you got to use your fucking brain. <laughs> you can't just lead with your heart 100% yes. of the time. And lots of times, most of the time, the easy way isn't air quotes the right way. For the majority of things. I think usually the hard way is the way you should probably be doing most things. <laughs> Are you already starting to see your daughters go through some hard things and, you know, face some challenges that you've got to kind of decide how to guide them through? I mean, she's only two. Yeah. Like, and just turned two. Like, fresh two. Yeah. Um, but, like, even little things, like, medically speaking, like, she has seizures. So it's not up to her to, like, work through these. But it's challenging me as a parent yeah. to be like, oh, okay, like when this happens, how do I make sure it's not about me? Mm -hmm. You know, and that was my very first experience with her seizure was I, I didn't mean to, but I was making it about myself. I was having a fucking panic attack. My daughter's having a seizure. And instead of being like, I'm here for my daughter hundred percent, I was blacking out. I was spiraling. I was like, Oh my God, they had to take me and put me in a different room while my kid had to go get a CT scan. Like she was one years old and I wasn't there for her because I was spiraling in another room because I had medical trauma. And I'm like, wow, if and when this happens again, I need to be there. Mm. And I can say I was very proud of myself because she has had another seizure and I was the one that had to take her. And I, I was really, I was really <laughs> focused on not being that person. And I was telling myself, you're going to be really proud for how you're dealing with this right now. You can be really proud of yourself later for how you're dealing with this right now. Like don't spiral, stay content like this. Yeah. You're here for her. This is about her. That's a really valuable skill to be able to say to yourself in a really heightened moment you're safe yeah. because that's what you needed to hear in other moments For in sure. your life. And that's what, you know, she needs to hear, but to be able to say it to yourself and actually, you know, follow through with that is incredible. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I really admire you for that because, Thank you. you know, it takes years of therapy for people to be able to totally. stop a spiral partway through. And Hopefully our daughters won't need that as the much therapy. The podcast gives me some free therapy sometimes. Like now I've, I've well, look, even you're giving it to me right now. Our podcast <laughs> right? is awesome. And I don't have like health coverage at work. Yeah. So if I'm like, I need to go talk to someone, like I'm paying out of pocket for this. So I always have to consider it. We're not saying people who have benefits aren't thinking about it, but you're like, let me maximize. Yeah. So I'm going to go. Maybe I'm not even having a hard time. But for me, it was like, I'm having a hard time. So I go and I don't feel like that's where you're going to get the most maximum growth either. So I dove a lot into personal development on my own because there is a lot of resources there if people are willing to open, to be open to them and accept them. And obviously one-on-one therapy is probably the most personal personal development that you can get, but there's a lot of people out there that can offer some really good concepts and not just like on TikTok or on Instagram, but like go on YouTube, look at Ted talks, go like, I mean, I have a whole course on personal development that I've created with like a million resources because I'm like, I need to... like do this for myself. Like since I was 17 years old, I found personal development are ways to like do personal development without paying for it, I guess. Yeah. What's your favorite? Like books or watching oh, videos? Everything. Yeah. I love podcasts. Um, I love personal development podcasts. I love books, specifically audiobooks now that I'm a mom. Yeah. Everything is time efficient. Yeah. Um, I listen to audiobooks when I clean. To be honest with you, I listen to audiobook in one ear. Mm-hmm a lot of times, even when I'm around my house, when I'm like, I need to blur out Coco Melon, I need to blur yeah. out, you know, like fighting over bedtime, just like to have something else or an adult voice, mm-hmm. um, feels nice. <laughs> uh, yeah. Love books, love podcasts. Um, I also really like Ted talks. Yeah. I feel like that's 
some of the best of the best stuff and I like YouTubes mm -hmm. so yeah I'm all over the place <laughs> I, I love that because you know you're gonna be in a different mood for a different thing at different times I really struggle with my focus and my attention like I'll get like halfway through a podcast episode and then I'm like eh. next Next. So if that's you right now, stick around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I see you. There's more good shit coming. Yes. Yeah. Um, what is something that you kind of strive for in motherhood? Like, is there something, is there an area that you really like to focus your personal development or are you just kind of Dude, like open to whatever? I'm like in this phase right now where I'm, I don't want to say I'm a feminist by any means, but I'm just realizing how much women take on. Like mm. not necessarily the load of motherhood, just women yeah. in general like our bodies you i mean you just went through it you know yeah. like how much hormones how many things like, like do we have to do like there's just so much fucking pressure and i'm such a person of like equal rights women can do everything men can do and sometimes better like and so i'm in this phase of my life where i'm like charging forward with like women can do everything but the internal piece of me is still nurturing i want to be home i want to be the cleaner i want to be the cook i want to be the one that's home with my baby so i'm constantly in this struggle of I want to be this person, but I also want to be this person. And if I try to do both every single day, I get incredibly overwhelmed and then I'm spread too thin. Yeah. And then guilt kicks in yes. because you're like, I'm not a good enough feminist because yeah. I like being a wife and a mom. It's terrible. <sighs> and it's like, at what point are you winning? You know, because, I, and I don't know if the load of motherhood's heavier now than it used to be, yeah. but it's different now. And yeah, like did women 50 years ago have to work 40 hours a week? And still have to plan the birthdays and still have to get the presents and still have to book the appointments and still, you know, did they, or did they have more central, like, these are my focuses? Cause I feel like my focus is all the fuck over the place. Yeah. And how many stories just kind of got lost, you know, like when your mom or your grandma tells you about what it was like for them to raise kids, maybe they did have a Tupperware business on the side yes, and they just right? forgot to mention it because it wasn't a priority, you know, right. maybe they weren't doing more, but there's like a generational difference in what we tell our daughters about motherhood and pregnancy. And I've noticed it talking to my mom and my grandma, mm. they just like to tell, like my mom really likes to tell stories about labor and delivery. That was like a really special day for her. I love hearing labor stories. Whereas my grandma wants to give advice right she's you know in that phase where and I love taking I love listening to my grandma's advice but it's just interesting you know my mom is very focused on her experience in pregnancy and trying to relate to me as a mother-daughter yes whereas my grandma doesn't feel that need and I don't know if it's her generation or just because she's my grandma right but it makes me wonder what I'll pass on to my kids and what I'll pass on to my grandchildren and you know when my, when my grandma asks how far along I am, her responses are different. You know, my mom will say, oh, that's so exciting. And my grandma will say, oh, you're, you know, in the safe zone or whatever. Like, it, there's right. differences in how both Very of them talk to me. Yeah. Right. And it's like, what am I going to tell my kids when they're pregnant, you know, or when they go through this? Yeah. It'll be neat. It's I'm like, I'm already excited to be a grandma. My kid's four months old. <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> and it makes me wonder what what our daughters will remember because I remember different things about my mom now as an adult, like different memories are unlocked. Totally. totally. And like, I almost see my mom in a different way than I did when I was growing up. Like my mom has been through a lot of trauma and growing up, she always shared a lot of that with me in an attempt to show me like, the world is rough and you're going to have to be prepared for it is basically her lesson right. growing up whereas now it's like life is precious and we need to enjoy it's like such a complete because you flip. go through hard shit and then you realize life is fucking precious and like those hard things were really hard in the moment but the grand scheme of things like it's about love it's about trust it's about your people and like your circle and yeah, yeah I, I agree I already feel like I'm aging myself like as yeah. soon as I became a mom I felt like I just got 10 years older yeah like I can see her perspectives changing and it's like oh my gosh my perspective on things is starting to change too like you start to think about oh well I'm gonna have this life goal with a baby <laughs> now you know I want to go visit this place oh but with a baby yeah <laughs> but know that you still have you yeah and I think that's important and 
back to my previous point about how I'm like, oh my God, I want to be this person that goes out and makes money and I challenge the society to say women can do fucking everything men can do, but I still have this nurturing side of me. I also realize that that's a privilege. Mm -hmm. Like I realize that if I only had the section of, I don't have my book, I don't have my podcast, I don't have my business, I don't have my clients and my challenges and the things that like I get invested in to grow that piece of me, I wouldn't be as happy. So like, although it's a challenge, it's something that also takes me outside of motherhood, which I do think people need. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have a thing, I don't care what the fuck it is. You like to bake. Awesome. Bake. You, you want to like, whatever it is, play music, learn a new language, but just have something Mm -hmm. that pulls you forward Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah. It's a business. Yeah. And so working mom, wah, wah in the same breath, it's a privilege. How do you balance having that for you yeah while also wanting to share that part of you with your daughters i don't think i'm at the point where i'm trying to really share that i work yeah right it's like but she's picking up because she'll be like blakely goes to daycare mommy goes to work and then when i pick her up she'll say go to the gym (laughs) (laughs) and she knows that the gym is where i work and and after daycare, there's days where I will work and I still haven't worked out and I will pick her up from daycare and I'll bring her to my work and then I'll work out. And those are the days where I feel guilty because oh, I'm like, I've been away from her all day, but I still haven't got that moment for myself because yes, I've been away from her, but I've been working. It's not like I was away from her and went for coffee, got a pedicure, got a massage, came back, picked her up. And then I was like, and now we're going to do more things for mommy. You know, like <laughs> I work is, is for me, but it's not for me. Yeah. So there are days where I'm like, oh my God, now I feel terrible because I'm letting you watch a tablet after I just put you at daycare for fucking six hours and now I'm going to work out. But sometimes I have to because then after that workout's done, guess what? The tablet goes away. The phone goes away. And it's like just me and her and I feel good and she feels good. And then I'm like, that's worth it. Exactly. Like quality over quantity time. And she gets to see you caring for yourself. Yes. Which is so valuable. I try to remind myself that. Yeah. Right. And that's why I love when you share things like that. You know, having your baby with you while you do a workout. All the time. (laughs) Because it, it almost gives permission to other moms that feel like they have to separate work and family. Right. And like, I, for example, I work at a dental office and so we deal a lot with insurance companies Okay. and most of them are working from home. So when I'm on the phone with these insurance agents, I can hear their babies crying. Ah. I can hear Coco Melon in the background. Right. I know they're, you know, multitasking. Probably not because they always want to, probably because they have to. Yeah, 100%. But it's okay to want to. It's okay to want to have your baby on your lap while you're working. Right. And I, I feel like when you share those, even even if it's a small moment of joy for you, yeah. even if it's just a second where you're like, you know what? Yes, I'm working and my daughter is here with me while I'm working, but she's also getting to see me leading and developing and doing all these things. When you share that just for a second, it gives people permission to say, okay, I can let go of this guilt because there is value in it. And it's also okay. If you want to just ditch your kids at your in-laws and you want to just go get a massage and you want to like do whatever the fuck makes you feel good. Like I'm, that's just always what I come down to. It's no black or white. Like, and I just did a podcast about that yesterday. Like it's, it's literally just whatever makes you feel good and is good for your family. Like show up and do that. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong. Yeah. So yeah. That kind of made me think about, you know, setting an example for your kids in your relationship too. Like showing our kids that, you know, you can have an argument and still love each other. Right. And you can, you know, sleep separately and still be very much in love with each other. And you can work together and be a team. And it just is such a beautiful thing to feel like you're working on yourself and your relationship and it's benefiting your family. Like those can be two separate things. Like I'm sure you have moments where it's just you focused on your relationship. Right. Separate from moments where you're focused on your family, but it all blends together in such Did a beautiful you have, way. Here's me interviewing again. Did you have that growing up? Cause I didn't. Yeah. No. Interesting. Like my parents were divorced when I was four. Oh yeah. They both got remarried and then by the time I was 10, I had four babies. My, my family had four babies younger than me. So I was like, I was an adult. By the time I was 10, 11, I was the babysitter. I, no one was worried about what I was doing, yeah. right? And my parents weren't together. Yeah. And so I didn't have a lot of that. Like, how do you work through young kids as a team? How, what does that look like? And so my husband did. His parents are still in love, still together, have three kids. Like, literally when I met him, I was like, oh my gosh, you honestly are from the Brady Bunch. (laughs) We went camping, I remember, and they had like sing songs and they had guitars out and little, they were all working together and doing harmonies. And I was like, is this real life? Like, oh my God, this is not my family, you know? And I have to 
like create that because there hasn't been an example for me. So I think that's very hard, but it's important to me that my kids see that. My mom did not meet her life partner until I was about 11 or 12. Oh, wow. Okay. So when I was growing up as a young kid, I desperately wanted that like picture perfect, happy mom and dad dynamic. My mom always had love in her life. She had long-term relationships with people that treated her well in front of me. And that's, that's the key there. I'd learned a lot about those relationships later on in life, but I didn't really have affection modeled on a daily basis. Right. And so sometimes now in my relationship and my family, I almost catch myself wondering like, am I being affectionate enough in front of my stepdaughter? Because I want her to see what love looks like. Right. I want her to see what a healthy relationship looks like. And like, I, what does it look like? It's yeah, <laughs> right? like, like, you know, it, it is holding hands in public love or like, cause there's a lot of people that fucking hold hands and kiss in public and then they go home and they have toxic relationship Mm -hmm. right so I don't even know like unless it's just truly genuine like just make sure that the partner you're with is the person you genuinely would go to bat for I'd fucking put my life on the line for you that's who I want to be the father of my kids yes and I, I think it comes down to just like being honest in those moments, like sometimes, you know, we'll have a a little argument or a spat or whatever and I'll be crying and she'll see me crying and I always make sure she sees me make up. Oh, good. I always make sure she sees us, you know, come together and and hug or something afterwards or have a moment where we say something kind to each other. Like, you know, that was tough, but we're going to be okay or whatever. Because I didn't know how to do that when I became an adult because I didn't really start dating I had a high school boyfriend but I didn't really start dating till I was an adult and I my mom was almost too private I'd say in her relationships where like I I didn't know I didn't know red flags when they were there for sure and I didn't know even how to ask about that and I hope that my daughters can come to me and at least say like, you know, this guy and I were talking about this and like, what do you think of this? Like, was that weird? It made me feel weird. Like, I just really hope there's honesty and authenticity in our household because I feel like I grew up in a household where we kind of kept things in until it burst. Right. And everything was very explosive when it came to emotions. And I prefer just kind of a little bit of a smooth What's their trauma response? Like, is it fight? Flight, freeze, fawn. <laughs> I'm learning all of these things. Yeah, yeah what's really yours? Um, mine's definitely fight, unfortunately. Mine's more like a freeze. Okay. Yeah, mine's definitely more like a freeze. I always will think of whatever I should have said or done two hours later. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's fun. See, I just completely black out and I'm like, I'm so fucking mad. Like, <sighs> and so that's something I definitely don't want my daughters to pick up on, right? Yeah. So like, I'm... I, again, I was talking to the psychologist yesterday on my own podcast and they talked about just like, like breathing regulations, taking a breath, putting in an AirPod or like getting sensory deprivation when you're in those heated moments so that you don't spill over. And I honestly, because I don't like to say I'm an angry person, I maybe popped off a couple times in my life, but I'm like, I, I didn't know how patient I would be as a mom. And I'm really proud of myself because I'm patient as fuck. Like I can take a lot of like mom, 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 cry, fuss, but like I don't snap, which I'm really proud of myself for because I implement those things. I think. How does that show itself with like your two year old who I'm sure is showing some big feelings. Oh, yeah. How do you help her figure out her tools? Well, we do a lot of breathing together. Um, I let her blow out candles a lot. Um, We talk about, like, smelling the flowers, blowing out the candles. And we'll do that together, like, when she gets worked up. And I always make sure I come down to her level. And sometimes I put everything in a song format because I feel like she responds well to it. I don't know if this is an actual tactic, but anything that she's freaking out about, if it's like, I don't want to brush my teeth, no, mommy, no, no, I'll never be like, yes, you need to brush your teeth. I'll come to her level and be like, brush, brush, brush your teeth. Blakely needs to brush your teeth because they're so dirty. They're sugar bags. You know, like I'll make it a thing. And then she kind of like, oh, oh. and then she get really worked up. It's smell the flowers, blow out the candles. And she will do it with me. And yeah, she's two. So if we can teach some regulating and like a little bit of, oh, she likes music. She likes moving her body. Um, I do know that when kids have big emotions, they usually explode it on the person who can handle them. And I feel like I am a lot of times that person. I'm her mom. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm a safe space. So I try to remind myself that as well. 
she's having a hard time. She's not trying to give me a hard time. It's almost a compliment. It is, but I'm like, I don't want to deal with it, <laughs> but I will deal with it. And it teaches you about yourself too, because you're getting worked up and you're yeah. like, wow, what I'm telling her to do is actually working for me to come down off this as well. How's your husband with those same tactics? Oh, fuck. He's so chill. That's, yeah. he doesn't have, like, he doesn't have an aggressive bone in his body. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm sure your girls pick up on that energy. He's a playful person. Oh. And so, yeah, he's a really good dad. Um, and I'm not super playful. I'm I'm not really like I want to play hide and seek. It's not I, she wants to play hide and seek all the time. I like I want to read a book. Yeah. You know, I'm very not introverted by any means, but those are the kind of things I like to do. Let's color. Yeah. Let's very I guess quieter things. I'm, I'm not like way. let's build a fucking fort and like roll down the stairs and pull all the blankets <laughs> out. I'm like, oh my god, I want those to be a mess. Oh my god, this sucks. You know, like let's open the toy that has five hundred thousand pieces and spill all over the floor. That's him. Yeah. I'm more like, can we do something like together quiet yeah let's watch a movie let mommy tickle your back you know do you want to go outside in the stroller like yeah. i don't know i i have a hard time with that even though i was such an imaginary play person as a yeah. kid my partner is very playful and that's one of the reasons i wanted to have kids with him like because I, I know that he can kind of meet me where I'm I'm a little bit more low energy and I've right. always been that way with my younger siblings. Yeah. I was never great at just like sitting and playing with toys or whatever. Right. With them. Like that was never fun. And then you for feel me. guilty about it. Exactly. <laughs> I should be playing. Yeah, I felt guilty about it my whole freaking life because I never wanted to take my sister to the park. But it's just because I didn't want to go to the park. It had nothing right. to do with my sister. Right, yes. But it it's important to find your match. And for sure. someone that's gonna like balance you out. Because could you imagine having two super playful parents? With two or high two energy kids, kids. Parents that didn't want to play at all ever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that'd be hard. Yeah. And I love that you guys have different strengths because 100% we do. Yeah. You know, there's going to be some moments where you can say, I need to tap out. Like, I, I'm overstimulated. I'm touched out. I'm whatever. Yeah. Like, and you know that he's going to be there for you and he's going to be able to step up to the plate and bring something different. Cause maybe, you know, the breathing regulation is not working in that moment. Maybe she needs she to, to run on a play. Yeah. yeah. He will make my kids athletes and you know, whatever they want to do, but sports, hand-eye coordination, throw, kick, all those things. That's his territory. Yeah. My territory is I will help you become an academic. I'm going to teach you to read. I'm going to teach you to write. I'm going to encourage you to go to school. Like, even when I got pregnant with my first daughter, I was like, oh, I hope she's a nerd. And he's like, I don't. Like, I hope she's, like, wants to be an NCAA athlete. Like, look, we have this long-ass baby. She's so tall. And I'm like, yeah, I don't even think I don't even think about those things. I'm more like, oh, I hope she's smart. I hope she reads. She writes. I'm going to teach her all these things. I'm going to get the Montessori fucking play boxes. I'm like, I'm about that. But it's good because that's how you have a well-rounded parenting strategy, right? Like, you want your kid to be able to run and kick and do all those things and go in swimming lessons and skate. And that's all his territory. And I'm like, I want to be the mom that like goes to the kindergarten and is the snack mom and is like right engaged with her education and those types of things. Is that exciting for you now that she's getting older? Yes. Yeah. I love You're getting closer to that vision. And like, I still do a lot for her, but there is a point in parenting where you get to do things with them and not just for them. And I'm almost there where it's like, I want to go swimming today. Do you want to go swimming? Oh my God, this is going to light you up. And then watching how much it lights her up is what lights me up. Yeah. When she walks into the pool and she goes, oh, wow, mommy, <laughs> Blakely, so happy. Love you, mommy. You're like, fuck, you can go swimming every day. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like it's amazing. It. And then it's like, oh, after, do you want to go for ice cream? Mm -hmm. You know, like she was so excited. I took her for ice cream the other day. The people were laughing. We were at Marble Slop and she was shaking, waiting oh. for ice cream. She's like, <laughs> like, just vibrating. And I'm like, you are the cutest fucking thing ever. Oh, you gosh. know, like it makes me happy to see how happy you are. Yeah. Do you have hopes for yourself as an individual? Like now that your kids are here. Yeah. How has that changed from what your hopes were before you had kids? Like where you see yourself in the future? <sighs> because man, because everything's about them now. Yeah. And I knew it, but you don't know it. Like, you know, oh, I'll be a mom and life will be about your kids. But like every fucking thing. Yeah. Sometimes I look around my house and I'm like, what would I have done today if I didn't have kids? Yeah. Because every single thought, every mess, everything. Like, if I didn't have kids, what really was I doing? Yeah. I don't even know. <laughs> like, how I thought I had no time then. Mm -hmm. Every single thing I do about, is about them. What's one thing that you want to do, like, completely on your own? Like, um, I know you went on a trip. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was amazing. 27 weeks pregnant. Yes, I love that. I was like, I am I actually booked the trip though. So it looked like I was super pregnant and I decided to go. Yeah. I had booked the trip still pregnant, 
but I had a really hard time rationalizing my second pregnancy. And of course it's hard when there's an infertility community and someone like yourself to be like, I got pregnant like that. Yeah. My first baby wasn't like that. Okay. Yeah. Like it was, I had two miscarriages. I had a lot of fertility issues. I didn't have a period for 10 years. It wasn't easy by any means. So I've seen the struggle. I've had the hurt, but that second baby, um, I'm like, Oh, I got to make sure what I say here. My husband and I had been, how do I say this? Look, getting in trouble. Had been casted to be on a reality TV show. Oh, so and in, and a good one. Yeah, it wasn't like HGTV for a day. Yeah. it was a big deal. That's and I was working hard. I was learning new skills. I was really invested in this. And I did a medical test to go on the show. Right. And it came back that I was pregnant, Bomb and I show. failed the medical. So not only was I like, my daughter's only 11 months old. Yeah. I also lost this incredible thing that I was looking forward to, which had was actually before COVID. So I had found out that I was casted for this show at the end of 2019. Oh so at gosh. the beginning of 2021, this has been on my mind. This was a goal. This was a big fucking deal. Coming. And then to find out I was pregnant two weeks before this was supposed to happen. And like all of that got shut down. I wanted to be excited about having a baby, but I still had a baby. I had an 11 month old that I was already trying to figure out what the fuck is she going to do when I go on the show. Yeah. Like, and then to have my baby was still a baby. And by the time Tanner was born, my four month old born, my daughter was almost two. So she seems more like a toddler yeah. and that made sense. Okay. She could be a big sister, but at the time I was not ready nope. and I spiraled for a long time. And that was when I was like, okay, I'm booking a trip. I'm doing something for myself. So that's where it came from. I was like, I need something to look forward to. I need something for myself. I need to know. And like, I spent a whole week in Mexico flying, going through customs, like with a big belly crop top on. I didn't give a fuck. I walked around that resort. I ate and worked out and it was exactly what I needed. And it actually allowed me to connect with my baby. And when you're like 26 to 28 weeks pregnant in that phase, like you're getting lots of kicks. You're getting. And so that was so important for me. And I'm so happy I did it. That sounds really incredible. Is traveling alone something that you would do again in the future? Oh, yes. I would I would do it oh, all the time. Yeah. Yes. I'm a huge travel bug. Um, I I did a six-week backpacking trip through wow. Thailand. My husband and I did a month in, like, Italy and Greece. Um, and, gosh, I just... That's my favorite thing to do. Yeah. And we did a month in Peru. Hiked Machu Picchu. Wow. Lived in the Amazon rainforest. Like, had some really cool experiences. Which I also felt prepared me really well for motherhood because yeah. I was ready. And that's why when it didn't happen right away, I was like, what do you mean? I like checked off all my bucket list. I like saved some money. I'm ready to get pregnant now. Hello. Hi. Yeah. I competed in bodybuilding competitions. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready to sacrifice my body. I gained the weight. And then when it didn't happen where I'm like, I did everything right. What do you mean? Yeah, I'm ready. And then it didn't happen. And then it didn't happen. And then it happened. And then I lost the baby. And then it happened. And then I lost the baby. And I'm like, this is not my plan. Yeah. And I know obviously you can rationalize with yeah. that. And it, the world has a different plan. Yeah. So to have that happen the second time was so what? Yeah. And to be honest with you, there's a piece of me that was like, what if I lose this baby again, even after I had a successful pregnancy, mm-hmm. so it doesn't change. Like that fear doesn't completely go away because you've had a successful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. It still haunts you. And I'm sure I don't hope for you that you're going through this, but I looked up every week, like viability of my baby. What's the chances my baby's going to be okay if they're born? Was like, I did that every fucking week. Yeah. I booked pregnancy photos for about 20 weeks. I did them just the other day, other day actually. And it, it was hard because part of me worried I wouldn't make it any farther. And we had to reschedule a couple times because the weather and every time we had to reschedule, I would wonder, am I even going to get to do these? Because, you know, it doesn't matter how healthy the doctors tell you your baby is. You know that anything can happen at any time. Yeah. And social media is good and bad for that. It's good to connect with people. But I'm also somehow on this side of TikTok right now where all I'm getting is pregnancy loss. Oh, baby girl, loss. you need to get off of there. I, like, I, I really you appreciate can't. people sharing their stories. Oh, yes. And, you know, that's why the algorithm sends it to me, because I'm a caring person, and I of do course. care about these people's stories. But at the same time, it fills your head with everything that could of go wrong. Of course it does. At any time. Yep. You know? I, I'll be looking up 21-week bump date videos, and then all of a sudden, I'll start getting 21-week loss videos. And... Oh, girl, you're living my oh. story. I totally... It hurts. 
And just so you know, you'll be 40 weeks and the baby will be in your arms and then you'll be like, what's the chances of SIDS? Yes. And it will just keep going. And I don't, I don't wish that for you (laughs) at all. And now my kids too. And I'm like, oh, does she have epilepsy? Is something wrong with her? I think about her all day. I just dropped her at daycare. She can be okay today. It doesn't fucking stop. allergy I don't know about? Yeah. Why does she have eczema? And like, oh my God, my kid's double jointed. What if she has a connective tissue disorder? What if she has a genetic problem? And it doesn't stop. No. How do you keep yourself grounded in those moments where you start to spiral a little bit? I reminded myself that every single person I see on a daily basis was once in the womb and made it to 40 weeks and was birthed and is here now. And I'm like, so obviously there's a lot more successes or else this world wouldn't be what it is unless people like me kept trying and had these babies. So it does work. Like, there's proof in myself, in my husband, in every person that I see. I was like, that's a success story. That's a success story. That's a success story. And I would just remind myself of that because if people are out here walking, doing, talking, then they went through this and they made it. What's some advice you would give to an anxious mom? If someone came to you and was like, I have these thoughts all the time, the guilt, the worry, what the hell do I do? What would you tell a friend? Dude, remind yourself that a positive outcome is more likely than the negative outcome. Yeah. Right. And what you focus on grows. Yeah. What you focus on grows. So let's focus on I'm healthy. I'm carrying a baby. Mm -hmm. I have a baby girl. This is going to be her name. This, and no matter what, if the worst case scenario happens, it's going to fucking hurt so bad, whether or not you invested in that, like giving yourself permission to buy the clothes, to do the nursery, to move forward like that if you're going to wait till you're 40 weeks pregnant until your baby's in your arms to do that, like it's going to hurt just as bad. Like it's, it's not going to hurt any less because you didn't lean into the, into the process. Yes. That's exactly what got me through trying to conceive for over two years was, you know, if, if it works out when it works out, I want to look back and have celebrated some of these milestones Yes, because if it, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to be crushed either way. Exactly. But if it does. But not celebrating doesn't blunt the agony that you're going to feel if something goes wrong. So celebrate. Yeah. And like, I know for myself, I always waited. I'm 12 weeks pregnant. Now I'm going to tell people. Um, But I don't even know if that's necessary. Like, it's like people put it on this limit where it's like, oh, after 12 weeks. Like, after 12 weeks, shit still happens. You know, like, own it. Like, when your baby is fucking four weeks, you find out you're pregnant, you want to tell the world. Like, that baby deserves that. You deserve that excitement get it do whatever you know i remember getting to 12 weeks and thinking oh my goodness i would have had to keep this secret for three months how especially someone who likes to share yeah right i did keep it a secret from social media but i did tell like my friends and my family and Yeah. yeah what's something that you would tell a working mom You fucking got this. <laughs> yeah. I would I just more would want to be on their side. Yeah. Where it's like, you're doing amazing. You're doing things, you're paving a path. You're showing your kids like, I got this. I can manage this. And yeah, throw it on my shoulders, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. but like I can women are incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm not discounting men, but I kinda am. We, <laughs> they are definitely in my mind like it or not, the inferior. Like, I, especially now when I'm like, really? Like, you can manage that? Look what I can manage. I'm not trying to keep score, but I'm just realizing that, like, all these women in my life, they take on a lot more shit than most people. And we're incredible. We're incredible species. Kids are not. (laughs) You know, like, you don't have to have kids and be a mom to be like, no, I'm a strong fucking woman. Mom, look at me. I can do all these things. Like, you can be a mom in so many different ways. Mm And people mother in many different ways. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, for years, I thought I couldn't have children. So I convinced myself I didn't want children. So I mothered my sorority sisters. I mothered my friends. I mothered my siblings. And, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to nurture, you're going to find a way to nurture. Yeah. Some people are just born to. And then you got to put it in practice with your own little baby. Yes. I'm That's so, so awesome. I can't wait because I didn't meet my stepdaughter until she was seven. Okay. So I, I've done the middle phase now. Now I'm ready to do the first yes. phase. And I haven't done the middle phase. So <laughs> I'm like, I, I keep telling myself it's going to get easier and people are like, yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it just gets different. It's cool to watch her become a person right. with her own opinions and, you know, making her own types of 
jokes and things like that. It's really cool to continue to wonder who she'll be. Because when I met her and she was very little, I always had these moments where I could see what she was going to look like when she was older. And I think that was, you know part of me becoming ready to become a mother is, you know, I would literally look at her and I could just envision what she, what she'll look like when she's 20. And now that she's actually becoming that person that I always kind of thought she might become, it's just a really, really interesting and unique experience that I'm glad I get to have. For sure. Because I get to know her from, I'm not her mother. I get to know her from a different perspective. You know, I, I'm involved in, you know, discipline and structure and things like that, but not in the same way as her mom and dad. She's 12. Okay. She'll be 13 soon. So the pushback's coming. Yes. I I grew up with a stepmom, still close with her. She's amazing. I can't believe the shit she had to deal with when I was like 17 years old. Yeah. The whole, you're not my mom, don't tell me what to do. I remember her crying because I'd say that to her and like, it would sting. And I actually wrote, there's a poem in my postpartum book about being a stepmom. And basically I'm saying like, I didn't imagine how hard being a stepmom would be until I was a mom. Like, could you imagine being a mom with no pregnancy, no nine months of this, no time to prepare? You're not only taking on the load of being a mom, but you're also taking a load of them having another mom, of your husband still having a connection to another woman who he was once obviously intimate with, which is triggering in itself for a lot of people, right? And it's like all those dynamics I didn't realize how complicated and hard that would be. And to give me the same amount of love that she gave her own kids, incredible. Yeah. I was very lucky. I grew up with a really great stepmom who, you know, cared for me as a stepmom. You know, she never, ever tried to replace my mom. And I I got to see two very different mother figures doing life with their own partners and their own children in their own ways. I have half siblings on both sides. And I do feel very lucky to have been given multiple different examples of what being a mom can be like. Right. Because now, as I'm trying to figure out what kind of mom I want to be, I know that it's all okay. You know, my stepmom, her kids turned out great. My mom, her kids turned out great. And they have very different personalities, different parenting styles. And just like you said, everyone walking around on this earth is fine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because someone mothered them. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And do you know, like... I mean, are you already thinking about those things? Like, how am I going to approach this? How am I going to approach this? Because it might just change again. Like, how am I going to do sleep training? Am I going to do sleep training? Am I going to do bagel head weaning? Am I going to do purees? Am I like, there's yeah. so many things. And I thought I knew. And then I don't. No. And then you get there and then you change it and then you pivot. And it's like, that is life. If you're not willing to pivot, fuck, you're going you're gonna to have a really hard time. Yeah. And then you try one thing and it doesn't work. And then you have another kid and they're completely different. Yeah. I I do think a lot about how is my stepdaughter going to feel seeing me connect with a different child in a different way. She's 12. Yeah. I think she's going to love it. Yeah. I think she's going to be like, this is, I mean, I can say I was 12 with step parents and I had baby brothers and sisters. When I was, how about this, 11 years old, my baby brother was born. I watched. I was there. My stepmom asked if me and my sister wanted to be in the room. Whew. No epidural, no drugs, full vaginal birth. I was at the edge of the bed with the doctor. I watched that at 11. That's incredible. I I love birth. Like, oh, I I can we do a whole other podcast (laughs) on birth because I am obsessed. After I give birth, we absolutely can. Okay. Yes. I'll invite you back for my birth story. Do you have a birth story plan? Even though I know it and young and I can go straight. But if I didn't have a plan, I wouldn't have ended up in the position I was in. So I do believe that having a plan that's malleable. Yes. I will be creating a birth plan with my doula. Nice. Okay. Because I did decide to hire a doula. That was something that was really important to me. Awesome. So I originally wanted an unmedicated home water birth. Ah! That was my vision. I knew in my heart I could do it and I had no fear. And then I was put on insulin. Okay. Um, I technically don't have a gestational diabetes diagnosis, but I've, I've been followed by an endocrinologist and she watches my levels pretty closely and she put me on bedtime insulin to help my morning fasting levels. Okay. And I was like, okay, sounds simple. Not a problem. Just another medication added to the list. (laughs) Well, it risked me out of a midwife. What? Yeah. I'm too high risk for a midwife just because I'm on insulin. So there goes my home birth. Really? Yeah. I have to have a medical doctor deliver my baby. Well, have to. I hate that term when yeah. it comes to birth. Like, people give birth wherever they freaking want. I'm like, dude, pop a squat right here. I'll help you. I know, right? <laughs> I can refuse to go. But my doctor said that he would be more comfortable with 
an, an MD delivering my baby. Okay. But my doctor doesn't deliver babies. Right. So I'm kind of... I hate to say this. I'm stuck with a hospital birth. That's how I feel. That's my authentic feeling. That's fair. And I know lots of people are very comfortable and very happy in a hospital. I have tons of medical trauma. I don't want to give birth in the same hospital I lost my babies in. Like that is just, that was a huge wall for me that I had to, had to knock down. Feel you. So I am open to medication, epidural, nitrous, whatever. I am going to kind of let my doula help me decide what I feel like I need um, because she's very experienced. She has seen women birth so many times that I know that she'll be able to say, like, you can do this. For sure. Or, you know what, Kelsey, I can see you're freaking tired. What, like, are you thinking it's time for an epidural? I'm going to really have her help me okay. through those moments. Yeah. So... My plan is to go with the flow, I guess, at this point in the hospital. Fair. Um, My first birth was in a hospital. Yeah. And it was still very beautiful. Yeah. And my home birth was also beautiful. It's beautiful in its own way. You're going to meet your baby. You won't really even think you're in a hospital. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to be so focused on that moment of connection. Like, that's my biggest ever video that I've ever posted on social media was the moment that I met Blakely. Because it was... After miscarriages, after I had a subchorionic hematoma, I was on bed rest for my first trimester with her. Like, I thought I was going to lose my baby. I went through labor. I went into the hospital, even though that, like, heart really didn't want to do that. But I did need to do that. I was had a high-risk pregnancy. And it was fucking beautiful. And there's nothing I would change about it. And then going into Tanner's birth, I said to Robbie, if everything went the exact same as it did with Blakely, I would be happy. Yeah. Although that's not how it happened. I ended up having my home birth. I felt I mean, if I had to compare apples to apples, like, of course, it was a different experience and it was beautiful in its own way, Um, but both very empowering. Yes. And beautiful. I am so excited to have that moment because for years I thought I couldn't. Yeah. I had complications with an IUD when I was 18. My very first pregnancy and my very first pregnancy loss was when I had an IUD. Wow, I have one right now. (laughs) I went through three IUDs. It was not the right... It turns out I had um, a septum in my uterus that was really tough to see on ultrasound. Okay. So my situation was a little bit unique. But the very first time I was pregnant was an accident. And then I found out in the same breath that I had lost that pregnancy. And so I kind of told myself that I wasn't meant to do it. That there was a reason right. why, and I'm not sure I believe that anymore. Um, <laughs> I believe that every every experience leads us to where we're supposed to be, but I don't think that was meant to happen to me. I don't think the universe was trying to tell me anything, but that's what I held on to for so long. You have to hold on to something. Exactly. Right? So I convinced myself I was terrified of childbirth. I remember there was this one time I was in the car with my mom. I was a teenager, and I asked her, I was like, Mom, just out of the blue is childbirth really as bad as people say it is? No. And she thought for a minute and she goes, everyone gets through it. (laughs) And in my mind, I was like, not everybody does. (laughs) Honestly, my, I said after I had even Blakely, I said, if I had known what birth was, I never would have been scared. Mm. And I love that. I wouldn't have. And my sister, my sister-in-law had a baby yesterday and like, I honestly said to my husband, I'm so jealous that she got to do that. He's like, you're jealous? I'm like, I'm jealous that she got to push that baby out. Like that birth for me was like the biggest, I I, I say this whenever I talk about my home birth, I literally felt like I was on LSD or like some sort of crazy drug. Like the amount that I had to tap into my brain and the fact that I was completely sober for this, when I look back at it, I was like, I feel like I was on the highest I've ever been in my whole (laughs) life. Like I was on some crazy drug because I did the hypnobirthing. And it's like what breath and imagination and visualization can do for a person. When I think of my home birth, I honest to God, man, I don't remember it hurting. Wow. And see, I don't. Women do this five, 10, 15 times over. Yes. So I feel like I can do it once. I had a bad, I I was still in labor for eight hours. Like it wasn't like she just slipped right out of me. Walked into my bedroom, squatted on the floor, and birthed my baby on my bedroom floor. 
that's How incredible. It feels empowering as fuck. Yeah. Right? So yeah. you did that. Yeah, I did that. And like now I use it as leverage to remind myself of my greatness. Yes. Right? Like my husband will literally be shitting downstairs and I text him like, I pushed a baby out faster than you can take a shit. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to leverage that forever because yeah. he got to watch me do it. He was supposed to be catching the baby, but I was like, actually, I need you right here. Like I need to like put my head into your chest or something. So we had mirrors behind me so he could see like everything. Yeah. And, um, yeah, my midwives are amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful experience. I can't wait to tell you about my birth experience. Oh, <laughs> Yes, we'll see. I definitely plan on sharing because I love hearing birth stories. And honestly, no matter what, like no matter what, it's going to be beautiful. Exactly. And exactly. if you frame it that way. Yeah. Right? Like I know, like obviously birth trauma is a huge, it, it's huge and I, it's totally warranted and I can absolutely imagine how traumatizing that could be. But I hope over the years, no matter what, it's like, I got my baby out of this. And you've been through enough trauma. You deserve the fucking most peaceful, <laughs> amazing you. birth ever. Um, and I hope for you that that's the case. And if it's not, though, you're going to have a healthy baby and you're going to be a healthy mommy. And it's all going to be great. Yes. And it's just one day. <laughs> it I, is. I've told myself maybe that. Two. Few, <laughs> yeah, maybe two. Maybe two. I've told myself that a few times. I'm like, I've made it through 20 weeks of a pretty miserable pregnancy. <laughs> and pretty sick. hurt yeah. in a different way. That feeling in your heart of being going through those losses, I promise you is so much more painful than any contraction, pushing pain, anything. And because you're going to have that leverage because you've been raw and cut open and just totally uh, down to your deepest core, you're going to have that gritty piece of yourself that can get through anything physically, Mm -hmm. physically. It's nothing. It's you have it up here now. Yeah. And like the fact it wasn't easy for you to get to that place, I think is why you're going to have such an amazing birth. Yes. I can't wait. Even, you know, if it's not the birth that I dreamed of, you know, I've just had to reframe my dream. And now I get to welcome my baby in a full circle moment. Absolutely. In a place where my journey started. Please say someone has a camera on you. (laughs) Yes, my doula. My doula takes pictures. That's part of our contract. Oh, good. I definitely want everything captured. I, I can't wait now, actually. It's, it's been really easy to kind of save for the moment in this pregnancy so far and just kind of appreciate where I'm at at every stage. The closer I get to viability, the less anxiety and worry I have. And now I'm actually starting to get really excited. Yay. Yeah. Oh, you deserve to be excited. It's going to be beautiful. And then all of a sudden she'll be here and she'll be on the outside and you'll be like, oh my God, go back in. <laughs> and I really appreciate you sharing your birth experience oh, on you. Instagram because, you know, it helps. It helps to see women do that because then you're like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. You can. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. You can. Yeah. And you will. Like, there's no easy way out. It's coming out, but it's in no way is easy. Yes. But it's all worth it. Yeah, and you'll do great. I just have one last question for okay. you. Where do you see yourself in like 10, 15 years for you? Like, okay. Not necessarily as a mother or as a no. wife, or, but what do you, where do you see yourself? In 10 years, I see myself hopefully still blogging, yeah. hopefully still podcasting, still getting my, like, maybe my brand will mold over time. I'm always feel like I'm going to be into fitness. That's who I am at my core. I really value not just the way I look, but also just like those habits. Those are the types of things that, that make me and shape me. And that's been, my mom's been a bodybuilder since I was a tiny little kid. So it's just been part of me. Um, I plan on being the snack mom, the one who drives the kids around, the one who's at every fucking volleyball tournament, the one who's rooting in the stands, the one who shows up, um, whatever my kids want to do. You want to do musical theater? I'm fucking there. You want to do modeling? I'm fucking there. You want to do fitness? I'm there. You want to you want to do spelling bee? Fuck yeah. Like no matter what, I just want to be that supportive person. But I still have, like, I want to be still making money. I want to be able to be like, you know what? Mommy's going to take the family on a trip. Mom's going to take us all to Disneyland. And I want to be able to have the financial backing to be able to do those things for my kids. Don't worry when you're 18, 19 years old, like I'm going to help you get registered in university. I can, I have money to help you do that. So like, yes, I keep referring to finances, but finances are a thing that's going to allow me to do a lot of those things. And planning ahead, I think, helps for that. Because yeah. um, it's it's not about money, but it's about experiences. And let's be real, like a lot of times when you financially prepare, you can have those types of experiences. Mm-hmm. I want my kids to see the world. I've said to my husband, I'm like, like I want to go like build a school in Africa and I want to do these things and I want to take the girls. And he's like, holy shit, like <laughs> pump your brakes, maybe when they're 18. <laughs> and I'm like, well, 
we could do like a Europe trip with them when they're like six, you know, or he's like, yeah, no, not worth our time. No, he's not really into like the massive travel with the girls until they're a little bit older, but I really want them to experience culture and see different things and realize how actually blessed and lucky we are to be Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, I did get to see that not as a kid. My parents never fucking took me anywhere cause they had a bunch of other little kids <laughs> and we didn't have money. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like once I turned 18, I started doing those things and I just want them to be able to see that so bad. So that's important. And they'll be 10 at that time. 10 and 11. They're only a year apart. So I can't wait to see you take them on all kinds of adventures. Oh, thank you. Yeah, just give them the best life possible and be there. Yeah. And yeah. That's really all we can ask. And you're like, else. not in terms of being a mom, but like in terms of your own stuff. And I'm like, but it always that's just okay. comes back to that. Exactly. Right? Like, I still want those experiences, but the experiences will not be the same unless they're with me and they're doing it and I feel like I'm showing up for them. Um, and as a wife, too. Like, that's important. And I, I feel like sometimes when people get in with their kids, the marriage piece becomes secondary, but I actually think it should be primary. Yeah. Um, and I remember my father-in-law saying to my husband when we were having infertility and we were having a hard time having a baby and we had lost our second baby. And um, he said to him, she is your family before kids, during kids, after kids. She's the one who's always going to be there. So with or without kids, you have a family and that's her. So you fucking show up for her. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for us to still have that piece together, not after kids, but at some point the kids aren't under your wing. They're not at your house. Not everything revolves around them all the time. And I also look forward to that in my future, like having the times where we can go sit on a beach together, like just re like re meet each other as adults, you know, like we, we had all this time together before kids. Thank goodness. Like we were together eight years before we had kids had a lot of experiences and right now it feels like we're in a fog not because we're not connected but we have to be like you do this role I do this role it's very segregated and like yes we're a family unit but it's not the closeness that we used to have we just don't have that independence that intimacy like we could right sex now is like oh my god we have 10 minutes or I'm absolutely exhausted but I haven't put out in a week so I should probably do it it's different than like let's have a night together and like light candles let's have a bath let's do these sexy things like you don't get that when you have kids at least not little kids like this so I'm excited for that again yeah 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 like fall in love all over even though we're still in love it's like a different kind of love and it's evolving so yeah I love that. Okay. Can you tell everyone where they can find you online? Oh, yeah. Please come find me. Um, Instagram would be a good place to start because the link in my bio kind of links you to everything. So Instagram, I have a link in my bio that basically talks about my health coaching, Perfect Fit For You. I work with women in terms of fitness. Um, I have a health coaching company with other coaches that do amazing things. Uh, and then I also have a blog. So link you to my blog. It'll link you to my book on Amazon. It will link you to my podcast, the Authentically Ashland podcast. That's where I talk a lot about my motherhood journey and a lot of f-bombs and a lot of just like laying it out there so yeah if you find me over on instagram and if you're interested in any of those things please explore them and yeah i'd be happy to connect with your audience i love your podcast oh thank you for those of you listening if you like this podcast you'll love ashley's podcast you're like oh my gosh this girl's edgy oh it's It's a a, i call it personal development with a little punch because it's a place where i can be myself yeah and when you listen to the podcast i don't want it to be coach ashlyn i don't want it to be ashlyn who's you know, talking about health and fitness all the time. I want it to be like, oh, this is what it would be like if I sat down with this chick and we smoked a doobie together or we had an Aperol spritz and we just like had a coffee, you know, like this is how she'd be in person. So I just, yeah, showing up that way. You do a great job of that. Oh, I'm in the middle of your sex episode right now. And it's <laughs> well, so good. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it's not really me giving the advice. I'm just asking questions, but yeah, yeah. it's a good one. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I love how authentic you are. Oh, I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks again for being here. Thanks. And we'll chat again soon. Definitely. Yeah, I can't wait to see how your story unravels. It's going to be beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. All the ladies that I've had to shed over the last night